Good morning. Welcome to a new month. We are in October. We have a new theme. Remember, we base those themes on the Science of Mind magazine as well. So if you have a subscription, you can just go to your magazine. You know, in October, the theme is Cosmic Connections. I love that. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. What a great thing to, to uh, contemplate. Cosmic Connections. You know, it reminds me of uh, uh, the Buddhist metaphor of Indra's net. I know if you've, you've heard it before, it is a, it's a lovely metaphor. Here it is. It's a, in, the, in, in the realm of the god Indra, there is a vast net that stretches infinitely in all directions. And at each juncture where the threads cross each other, right? You've seen a net. There is a, each juncture, there is a single, brilliant, beautiful jewel. And each jewel reflects every other jewel, infinite in numbers. And each of the reflected images of the jewel bears the image of all the other jewels. Very much like a hologram, right? Each, each reflected part contains a, a picture of the entire thing. Infinity to infinity. And whatever affects one jewel in Indra's net affects them all. And I love that metaphor because really it illustrates the interconnectedness of all life, you know, the interpenetration of all phenomena. You cannot, you cannot, you know, touch or tap or affect one jewel in the net without it rippling throughout infinity. Everything contains everything else as well because every facet contains a reflection of everything. And at the same time, each individual thing is never hindered or confused with each other individual thing. So, so as you picture Indra's net in your mind, this infinite net of, of reflecting glory, right? Picture yourself as one of those jewels in the net because that's what we are. We are one of those jewels in Indra's net. Uh, you are I am all of life is being reflected that way. So, so I'm talking today about the web of life. That's the name of today's talk, which is about the interconnectedness of all things. Because there is, if we go back to core concept one, right? God is all there is. So everything has to be interconnected. If we are all one, we all come from that same source. We are all God in form. Spirit is flowing through each and every one of its creations, and we are that. We must be one. We must be one. So you can see how it sort of reminded me of Indra's net. And the idea that one thing cannot be touched, one jewel cannot be touched without it rippling through right, the entire network, without it rippling through from infinity to infinity, sort of reminds me of the... Um, uh, that the, in chaos theory, what is it? The butterfly effect, right? That a butterfly can flap its wings in Brazil and it can result in a tornado in Texas. I love that idea, you know, just the thought of how one little thing can, can ripple out and have its effect someplace else. Sort of reminds me of that short story by Ray Bradbury, right? The Sound of Thunder. Do you remember that story? Anyway, I'm getting off the track. It's about everything being interconnected with everything else. And what we do ripples out across all life and all time. We all contribute. What we do affects the whole of life everywhere because of the fact we are inter interconnected, because we do exist on this, on this interconnected web of life. You know, there is a 
there is an old story about um, a king that was going to have a, a big old party at his place, you know, and so he invited all the townspeople to come, and he said, everybody bring a cup of wine, and then we'll all put it in the barrel, and then we'll have wine for the whole party. If everybody brings a cup, and one of the gentlemen in town thought to himself, you know, I could probably save myself a little wine if I just bring a cup of water and throw it in the barrel. Nobody's going to know that the wine got diluted just a little bit. So that's what he did. And you know what happened, right? You know what happened. He gets to the party and the king opens the spigot and what comes out? All water. Because everybody had that same thought. Everybody had the same thought. So what we do, even if it's only, a, you know, our own decision, it affects the whole. It affects the whole. You know, Dr. Martin Luther King said this, I love it. This was his Christmas talk in 1967. He said, before you finish eating breakfast in the morning, you've depended on more than half of the world. This is the way our universe is structured. This is the interrelated quality. We aren't going to have peace on earth until we recognize the basic fact of the interrelated structure of all reality. We are all interdependent. We are all interdependent. You did not grow the food that you ate for breakfast. We go to the market, don't we? And we buy food from organizations that buy food from organizations that grow the food. We don't do it ourselves. You did not drill for oil in your backyard and refine it for gasoline for your car. You go to a place where you buy it. You don't have a well in your backyard for water. Well, maybe a few of you do, <laughs> but we don't usually, right? It comes through the tap, we pay for it. We drive on roads that were built by others. You didn't pave your own roads to get to market. Your house is protected by firefighters that are not you. We cross bridges that we didn't build. Our property, right? Our property or our homes, our businesses are protected by a police force that is, that is not us. Hmm. When we get ill, we go to a doctor. We go to a specialist who is trained to heal us. And when something's broken in our house, maybe we can fix it, maybe we can't. But if we can't, we call somebody to come in and fix it for us. And when our pets get sick or our animals take ill, we call the vet. Sometimes we can address it ourselves, but sometimes we can't. We call in the experts, right? So we are all interdependent. None of us are absolutely self-sufficient. We exist in this web of life. We exist interdependent upon each other. And I love that quote that Donna uh, spoke to uh, from Chief, by Chief Seattle this morning that uh, the beginning of that quote says, all things are connected. Like the blood that unites us, we did not weave the web of life. We, merely, we are merely a strand in it. Whatever we do to the web, we do to ourselves. And it is so important to realize that there is only one life. This is, this is Ernest Holmes' core concept number one. There is only one life. It is God's life. It is individualizing itself as all life everywhere. But we're not separate and individual. We are connected to all life. We are connected to spirit. We are connected to each other. And so it is in the best interest to support all life. It is in our best interest to support all life because we are interconnected. You cannot, you cannot touch anything 
without affecting something else. You know, we're seeing that right now with the collapse, the colony collapse, right, in the, in the bees. Um, and we're very concerned, the scientists, some people are, scientists are very concerned about colony collapse. And the bees are dying by the thousands. And, you know, and, and some people might think, yeah, great, okay, fine, whatever, I won't be stung as much. I'll, I'll have le less likely a chance of getting stung. But then you have to realize, without the bees, we wouldn't have apples, we wouldn't have almonds, we wouldn't have blueberries, we're not going to have cherries or avocados, we're not going to have cucumbers or onions, we're not going to have grapefruit, we won't have oranges, we won't have pumpkins. Just to name a few things that bees are responsible for pollinating, right? Because we are all interconnected. So if the bees go down, wow, half of our food source is going away, is going away. John Muir said this, he said, when, a, when one tugs at a single thing in nature, one finds it is attached to the rest of the world. And that's what we're finding out, right? That we are all interconnected. This lovely, poetic, and, and mystical idea of the interconnectedness of all life is now being proven scientifically. Everything is connected. Everything is interrelated. And, and that extends out into the universe. We are one with everything in the manifest universe. It's not just here on planet Earth. Ethan Siegel, who is an astrophysicist, PhD, smarter than anybody I know, he did the math, okay? He did the math, and he said this. Every time you breathe in, you are breathing in atoms that were once inside of another human being. Yeah, ugh, right? I know, now with COVID, it's kind of gross. But anyway, Think of that. Just think of that. Every time you breathe in, you are breathing in atoms of air that were once inside another human being. Every time you drink water, you are drinking water that was once inside another human being. And every bite of food that you eat consists of atoms that were once inside another person. We all share the same planet, the same biosphere. And at the fundamental level, we are all sharing the same atoms. We just trade them around. Energy can neither be created nor destroyed. It simply changes form. So all we're doing is recycling them. The atoms in you might be the atoms, the carbon atoms that were once in, the, in, in Pluto, right? At the atomic level, he goes on to say this, at the atomic level, we are incredibly deeply connected. Inside your body right now, there are billions of atoms that were once inside other human beings on Earth. And throughout the generations and the eons, those same atoms continue to make up everything. The atoms of the dinosaurs, of plants, of trilobites, even of single-celled organisms that once dominated the planet are now inside you. Think about that. Energy can neither be created nor destroyed. It simply changes form. So those atoms that, that were burst into form at the Big Bang, they're the same atoms that have been scattered across the universe. They're the same atoms that are inside of you. They're the same atoms that were inside of Cleopatra or Caesar, who knows? They are the same atoms, right? Because we're just all one. Because we are just one. And it individualizes itself as you. But we're just sharing in this one life. We are all sharing in this one life. Hmm. So tell me again how you're a self-made millionaire. <laughs> That's funny.
Tell me again how you're a self-made anything. It doesn't exist. Nobody, nobody does anything totally on their own. We are sustained, we are supported, we are cared for, we are provided for by people and by organizations we may not even know. I don't know the farm or the farmer that grew the wheat that made the bread that I have on my table that I made toast with. But that person supported me. We don't know, but we know and we can know and we must accept that we are one. Ernest Holmes said this in 365 Science of Mind. He said, the God is the giver of all things by means of love. That's an important part. Think about that. Keep that one aside in your mind. God is the giver of all things by means of love. The spirit is always at peace. There is no argument in divine mind. The spirit has never doubted itself, never opposed itself, and never disagreed with itself. This is the oneness that is God. And that oneness is the truth of us. That is the oneness that is us. Again, going back to core concept one. God is all there is. We are simply, you know, being inhabited by that one life. We are being breathed by that one life. We are living that one life. We are one with spirit and we are one with each other. There's only one thing happening, and that is the self-actualization of spirit living as us. We say these words. We say them every week. God is all there is. I am one with God, right? We say it all week long. You say it every day in your prayer work. It's, it's the first step in, in uh, affirmative prayer, right? God is all there is. I am one with God. First two steps. We understand the words, and then we act like it's not true. We do. We act like it's not true because we do argue, right? There's no argument in spirit, but we argue. Hmm. We judge. We dismiss, we reject each other, people who are not like us, people who don't think like us, people who don't look like us, people who don't act like us, right? We dismiss, we judge, we, we, we reject. Think about it. It's like the finger trying to reject the hand. It's really silly when you come right down to it because you can't, because there is only one life. It's individualizing itself. Like Ernest Holmes said, there is unity, but there is not uniformity. And isn't that lovely? And isn't that what makes life so amazing and dynamic and complex is that you are you and nobody thinks like you do and nobody has the same opinions that you do and nobody's exactly the same as you are. And isn't that what makes life so unique and different and fabulous? is that we are individualized. Hmm. Isn't it silly to think otherwise? But yet we do those things, don't we? We do get small. We do get petty. We do reject people and things because they don't think like us or they don't act like us or they don't agree with us. That's even, a, that's even sillier, right? Because they don't agree with us. Hmm. Yeah. And what you're doing is you're rejecting spirit. You're rejecting self. I mean, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Gosh, if you, can't, if you can't be in the same room with somebody that doesn't agree with every single thing you say, you're going to be alone for the rest of your life. How's that sound? You love that? I don't. I think that's ridiculous. So we have all of these individualized expressions, all of these, like seven and a half billion, individualized expressions of spirit. That's what we are. 
We are only spirit in form. We're getting through life. We're having our, our minds made up. We're, we're you know, addressing things the way we think we should. We are favoring some things. We're disliking other things. That's what we do. We have blessings. We have challenges. We have gifts. We have a whole slew of things in our lives. You know, and, and the, we have things that we've handled. And we have things that we haven't handled. And the things that we've handled, we usually don't pray about which in itself is kind of weird, and I think there's a talk about that in the future. But the stuff that we don't have handled, that's the stuff we pray about, isn't it? The stuff that is not manifesting the way we want it to, that's the stuff we pray about, right? The stuff we have handled, we don't bother praying about it, you know? Some people have their money handled. Eh, I got all the money I need. I don't need any more money. They don't pray about money, right? But some of us that are praying uh, about money, it's because we're having struggles in that area. We have challenges in that area. So that's what's up, right? So then you do your prayer work around that. If you have a job, you're probably not praying for a job, right? If you have a rewarding love life, you're probably not praying for a love life. It's the way we are, right? But you're missing the point when you don't pray about the things that you already have. Right? We're missing the point of gratitude. We're missing the point of thanksgiving. We're missing the point of being grateful for the things that we do have, for all of the good that is flowing through our lives brilliantly, abundantly. Right? So, so that's where the prayer is. The prayer is in, is in the fact that we are manifesting, that we are co-creating. And, and, and we're missing the point of our oneness when we're praying for things for ourselves and not for others. We miss the point of oneness with spirit and with all life because that is what is at the center of our affirmative prayer work, is it not? The first step in affirmative prayer is saying God is all there is in whatever way you want to say that. That's unity. The second step is, is unification. That means that whatever God is, whatever we decide, however we define this thing called life as, we know that we are one with it. We know that we are an individualized thread of it. And here's the thing. If you are busy judging and dismissing and rejecting others, you are not in the center of your prayer work. Because at the center of your prayer work is oneness. You know, that's why that, that Bible quote about if you have a gift to bring to the altar and you're holding something against your brother, don't bother. Don't bother. Because your prayer work is going to be in vain. Don't even bother leaving your gift at the altar. Go back and reconcile with your brother or your sister first. Because oneness is at the heart of what we do. Remember, five steps of affirmative prayer. Recognition, unification are the first two steps. They are a meditation. That's what Ernest Holmes said, right? Those first two steps in themselves, they are a meditation. What are we meditating on? That God is all there is. And that we are some, some inexplicable, you know, intricate and, and individualized expression of that one life. We are part of that. Whatever we define God as, we know within us is that same energy. And Ernest Holmes in the Science of Mind textbook said this. He said, we mean to convey something more. The recognition of spirit within 
the certainty of our oneness with the whole, the immediate availability, the power, and the wisdom resulting from this oneness. Such communion with God brings harmony into our lives and into our affairs, establishes the law of health and prosperity, and makes us a light to all who cross our pathway. This becomes our life when we live from that center, when we live from the center of oneness, when we remember only oneness, not the petty differences that we have with each other, not the differences of opinion. That's arguing with the effect, right? When we argue about the things at the level of the condition, when we argue to and fro, you know, about things, about our likes and our dislikes and what we think will cure the world and what someone else thinks will cure the world, when we argue at that level, we're just arguing effects. We are not in cause. We are not united with that one mind. We are not in oneness. But when we live from oneness, we are that light. When we live from our oneness, people will come to you for healing because they see that light shine through you. When you are living your life in oneness, absolutely, people respond to that. They see it, and they come to you for healing. I want what you have, because you are living in the light. You are living your oneness in the world. You are absolutely knowing yourself and everything else as an emanation of spirit. But we cannot be oneness when we're busy judging each other and blaming each other and rejecting each other. We cannot experience oneness when we're casting each other out of our circle of love because we don't, we don't agree with everything each other says. We're never going to agree with everything each other says. It's just not going to happen because we are individualized expressions. And yet we can live in oneness and know that we are individualized expressions. We are all in this life together. Remember, we are all together in this web of life. And what we reflect, right, from that beautiful jewel that we are reflects throughout the web. Ernest Holmes said this in, in Questions and Answers on the Science of Mind. This was from 1935. He said, there is a point in the supreme moment of realization where the individual merges with the universe but not to the loss of individuality, but where there is a sense of oneness of all life, so enters his being that there is no sense of otherness. It is here that the mentality performs seeming miracles because there's nothing to hinder the whole from coming through. We can do this only by providing the mental equivalence of life, by dwelling and meditating upon the immensity of life and the fact that, as vast, as immense, as limitless as it is, the whole of it is brought to the point of our consciousness. Now, that is our spiritual journey. 
That is our journey of true and total self-actualization. And isn't that what we desire? To make miracles in our lives and the lives of others. To absolutely make miracles. We desire our prayers answered and our intentions manifested. That happens when we dwell in truth of the oneness of all life and not when we're dwelling in our judgments and our, in our petty uh, arguments. It happens when we dwell in the oneness of all life, when we no longer judge others but recognize them as spirit in all their disguises. When we stop rejecting people because they said this or they believe that or they have an opinion that differs from ours. And why, and why, why would we ever want to do that anyway? It's an amazing dynamic process to be with people who don't think exactly like you do, who don't believe exactly like you do. Isn't it lovely to hear and understand rather than force people to agree with you and, you know, maybe they don't. And you know what? This is even funnier is that I have enough challenge trying to control my own thoughts and my own opinions. Why on earth would I want to try to change yours? Right? Oh, my gosh. I have enough of a challenge opening my own consciousness to oneness. I'm certainly not going to get into your business and try to change yours. <laughs> when I give up, when I absolutely give up being all up in your opinions and your likes and your dislikes, I can just love you. And I think that's what, what Mother Teresa said, right? If I just stop judging you, I can just love you. And that's what we're here to do. And that's what we're here to know. It is the greater, it is, it is the prime directive, all you Trekkie fans out there. It is the prime directive, is it not? To love God and love each other. That's it. That's why we're here. And to know that, and to know that we are one, and to know that there is no separation, and to absolutely live from that oneness because that's where the miracle happens. That's where the miracle happens. It, where I'm going to say that quote again from Ernest. Where that sense of oneness of all life is so enters our being that there is no sense of otherness. So enters our being so that there is no sense of otherness. And it is here that the mentality performs seeming miracles. That is where we perform miracles. That is where demonstrations of our prayers happen. When we are in oneness and nothing else but oneness. When we have absolutely driven otherness from our thoughts, from our consciousness, from our mentality. When we are dwelling in the oneness, that's where the miracles happen. So, you haven't gotten answered prayers lately? You might want to look at that. You might want to look at that. Who are you excluding from your circle? Who have you cast out of your life? And then you wonder why, why your prayers aren't being answered? There you go. Helpful hint. Dwell in oneness. We are here together for a reason. We are the web of life for a reason. We are here to love each other unconditionally for a reason. Because God is all there is. There is only one life. It is God's life. It is whole, perfect, and complete. It is our life right here, right now. There is nothing else but spirit. We are, we are play acting 
individually as that. But there is only one. There is only spirit. Spirit having a time, having this time as us. Be gentle with each other. Thank you.